Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson, and uh, Lucas isn't here this week, uh, but this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So, as I said, Lucas is gone uh, two weeks in a row, which does not happen very often. You can give him a hard time uh, if you'd like. Uh, but this week, we we have a, a special guest, one that um, I'm almost certain, I suppose, most people have not heard of, but that, that does not make it any less interesting or special. Um, in fact, it's somebody who I've known, interestingly, like a large portion of my life, you know, to varying degrees, but I, I truthfully... Uh, don't know when I actually like met Kaylee. Um, I'm sure it, it was like at VBS or Sunday school or worship team practice when we were, you know, maybe five and seven or five and eight or something. I don't, I don't even know, but um, yeah. So to, I guess without any further ado, um, like I said, we, we, ha we have an interview today, special guest. Uh, her name is Kaylee. Uh, she is a coworker of mine. Uh, we work together at a company called Dairyland Electrical Industries. Um, and what's really, I guess, unique and interesting about Dairyland, apart from like the industry that we find ourselves in, is it's a, you know, a small um, family owned company um, who happen to be Christians. And so that that fact sort of, I think, guides and governs what they do and, and how they do it. Um, and so this conversation is going to focus on sort of that intersection, that that uh, relationship between faith and business, because we're we're not a faith based organization. We're not some, you know, charity or, um, you know, some other sort of Christian company trying to to do things out in the world. Um, but we're we are a business that that I think in some ways is and behaves Christianly. I don't know. That's uh, so I guess without any without any further ado, Kaylee, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know what you do, uh, what your passions are, what drives you and we'll we'll go from there. Sounds great. Well, thanks for inviting me on. This is fun, both because I think this podcast is really cool. And then also it's, I mean, as you said, we have known each other for a long time. It's really neat to talk in a space like this. So yes, Kaylee uh, worked for Dairyland. None of those are surprises at this point. Um, so I lead our culture and formation initiatives, um, although we are a manufacturing and engineering company. So a lot of times when you hear manufacturing plus engineering, you're not thinking, um, maybe all the things that I get to spend my time thinking about. Um, I am married to Dom. I am cat mom to Sophie. Well, I'm not a cat. She's the cat. I never thought I'd be a cat mom, but I am. Um, we live in North Minneapolis, um, kind of an under-resourced neighborhood in the Twin Cities. And um, let's see, other things I'm passionate about, a good cheese board. I love uh, hosting people, love charcuterie cheese boards. Uh, I'm an avid crafter, love getting outside in nature, getting some sunshine on my face, uh, being with people. And I think this idea of um, flourishing in a lot of different spaces, but including in the work realm. And so I think that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but that gets me excited. That gets my brain wheels spinning. Cool. 
I, th- th- this question I already have is one that was not prepared. Um, but I'm curious, I, because Dairyland is such a, a unique uh, company in a unique industry, anytime that I try to describe what I do or what we make, it, it's, it's difficult to get across. So I'm curious, like if you were in as, in, in as few words as possible, going to describe Dairyland and what we do, how do you, how do you do that when, when you encounter, you know, maybe uh, friends or acquaintances that are unfamiliar with Dairyland? Oh, this is the question that would always get my heart rate, like <laughs> spiking. Yeah. Um, and you said it was a family company. So I, I felt like this intense extra pressure as a member of said family <laughs> to uh, speak about this well, but I, I describe it as we are a manufacturing and engineering company that uh, produces electrical safety devices. So we want to make sure Um, in this kind of quest for making a safer world that we are helping people and infrastructure both stay safe, whether that is related to um, corrosion or lightning strikes or all kinds of um, electrical issues that could um, minimize safety for any of us. So that's that's that's... what we do in a really hopefully concise statement. Cool. No, that's that's good. I think that probably is better than the way that I just described it yesterday to a friend. So I'll have to remember some of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, I know that you have been with Dairyland for a number of years. Um, I'm sure you've had work experience before that. So I'm curious, like how your faith, you know, we went, like I said, a little bit ago, I've known you since childhood, and that's because of going to church together. So I know that you've been raised in in church, went to I believe even Wheaton, is that, am I remembering that correctly? So, you know, you went to a, a Christian university. So, so how has your personal faith impacted your career? And I know that's a super open-ended question, but I'm curious, like, as somebody who has strongly held beliefs, how does that drive what you do on a, on a daily basis? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and feel free to interject at any point. Um, I, no, I think I, would describe myself as someone who has felt like my faith has mattered in a lot of seasons of my life. You know, I didn't have this huge kind of season where I really rejected that. I think it's just kind of become, become more central in a, in a lot of ways, but also has shifted. And I, I remember being at Wheaton and just being so compelled by this idea of Shalom, this biblical idea of Shalom, of um, as I think um, Tim Keller describes it as this kind of reweaving, God reweaving all things. And um, I started off in, in the non-pre- nonprofit world after college. Um, I worked for a maternity home that um, welcomed women who were experiencing homelessness and also happened to be pregnant or to have young children. And I kind of thought like that is the way to have an impact, right? It's an explicitly faith-based um, organization. And and I just thought like the nonprofit or the ministry world is the only way to kind of honor God and live out my faith. And um, I remember after, so being in that space and really struggling with this reality that there was this incredible mission that was explicitly committed to following Jesus but there was this 
deep organizational dysfunction that really troubled me. And that was a huge barrier to kind of my own well-being, the well-being of the organization. And I remember bringing that up um, to leadership, kind of working through that and just being so disappointed that that was the reality. And I remember, I, I think that was really like a catalytic moment for me where I felt like if Jesus is who he says he is, and if what he is doing is as he describes it, shouldn't we be able to experience and participate in organizations that are have a different quality that aren't so deeply marked by dysfunction and struggle and suffering? And um, so that's kind of a, a pause there. Then I um, I left that organization. It was there's a, I'll try not to make this a super long story. I thought I was going to move to Iraq, um, right? As ISIS was being kind of removed from Mosul, a lot of things fell through, uh, just in this waiting season. And then I remember my dad, um, sharing with me, Hey, we're kind of in this new journey in the business. What do you think about being part of that? Um, and, and I, really resisted that. I was, I felt like that was kind of a cop-out, right? That's like oh, giving up. I can't, I can't do it on my own, joining the family business. This is the worst. And I, and yet something very different happened. And I just sensed this invitation from God, I think, to be part of this experiment and be part of this process of waiting on him to, um, to see what could be possible through business. Um, sorry, I'm kind of going in a very long, long loop, but um, it's just been an interesting process, I think, to think about. You know, so many of us spend our days working, right? We we do forty, however many hours a week um, with our coworkers in organizations, and trying to think about like what does it mean to do that well? What does that, what does it mean to do that well for Christians that are part of our team, for non-Christians that are part of our team? Um, I know that God cares deeply for the flourishing of people. And, um, you know, I just, I feel this continuation of that question that I had in the nonprofit world of what does it mean for organizations to be healthy? And I, we have not figured that out at Dairyland, but I think we're on this journey of trying to figure out what does that mean, even in a broken world? Um, and so I think my my faith, going back to your question, um, just causes me to to step back and ask, like, what is God doing here? What is he doing in the life of each member of our team? What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in the life of our organization? And what might be possible uh, because we're tuning into that and because we're curious about this idea of renewal here. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And, you know, even thinking about my own, my own experience in, in work. And I remember when I really like started to take my faith, like actually seriously. And, and it wasn't just like, Oh, I went to church with my family on Sundays, but I, I was working at office max, like, you know, of all places. And it's like in a in a print center or on the floor or at the register, like how do I live out what I believe? Like how do I behave and how do I interact with people, whether that's coworkers or customers or whatever? Um, 
And so that that has sort of carried over with me into all the lines of work that I've done. I, I worked valet when I was at Moody and it was like, there, Lucas, Lucas and I have talked about this a couple of times on the air, but valet was a really interesting, um, a really interesting line of work because the company that I worked for, it was in Chicago. There were all these ways that you could be technically a little bit like shady, technically a little bit unethical. It was in more or less terms, you, you could be stealing from your company without them knowing. Um, and so like as a Christian, as somebody who was in Bible college studying theology every day, I was like deeply conflicted. I'm like, yeah, it'd be great to have more money, but I'm like, this isn't the way to go about getting it. Um, and so I, you know, I went to my bosses and I was like, Hey, can you put me on this account where I know I'll work solo or with one other person that like goes to school with me and we'll do this job as clean as we can every time. And they like, were really, you know, obviously they knew that stuff is going on, but they had a hard time stopping it. And so they were like, yeah, if we can put you on an account, we trust you. We trust this other guy. Um, and so that was like a really good solution for us. But it, it, I think that is not an unusual experience necessarily. I think people do find themselves in in working situations where, um, you know, maybe there is the temptation to to do something that you otherwise might not do, or there's, uh, you know, pr maybe outside pressure to to be behaving in a way that conflicts with with what you believe, and and so that sort of idea, like. Um, I guess like a, a natural thought process for me is like, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm working for an organization, what, like, what are the structures or the, the beliefs or the principles that guide that business? Um, I think about that valet company as an example. I think their idea of what we do as a business was let's make a bunch of money. We just, we want to make as much money as we can. Right. Um, so there, as far as I remember it, there wasn't much of a culture. There wasn't much of like a, um, the, the, the only culture was that it was called Valet Descartes, you know, like the philosopher. So it was like, it sounded very like noble or very like fancy. There was nothing really all that fancy about it in, in, in actuality. But my, I guess my next question for you, um, is, is, is how do you, um, you know, given your role at Dairyland, but, you know, maybe you means uh, Dairyland more broadly, like how do you navigate the complexities of of building culture at a non-faith-based organization? Um, so you, you, you know, you, you have a family company that, that has been, you know, this is our 40th year celebrating, um, you know, being around as a company. Uh, I'm sure it's maybe ebbed and flowed a little bit, but I bet there's still been like guiding principles along the way. But like today, how do you how do you help build and cultivate um, a culture? Like, what does that look like? Are there are there things that you do um, like very actively and consistently? Um, yeah, I guess that's that's sort of my question for you to to kick it over to you. Yeah, it's a great question, and I think just to double click. Yeah, there is a ton of complexity, right? Like when you think about transitioning these concepts to a workplace, I mean, you're trying to figure out like, how do we relate this when it comes to how we measure performance and employee issues and finances and what we'll spend our time doing? I mean, it just gets really complicated really quickly. Um, you know, I think one thing that's interesting. So when I joined the company, we that was at a time where we decided 
we want to be really clear about what our values are. And I think culture um, flows from our values. Sometimes it flows from the values that we don't explicitly say, but we just hold. Hopefully Dairyland's culture flows from also what we're saying, right? So around 2018, we spent some time really digging into what are our values and making those explicit. So this kind of overarching idea that people have inherent values. So that absolutely means um, our employees have inherent value, but also everyone else that we interact with, our customers, our end users, um, the people in our community. I mean, the people, any people have inherent value. Um, and then we broke down four values from there. Um, and so, you know, I think culture building is really slow work. It doesn't happen overnight. That's one thing that's been really um, hard is just that you have to do this kind of faithful work day after day after day. And we don't change as people overnight. We don't change an organization overnight. And so we started looking at like, what are the rhythms and the ways that we're going to spend our time and our money that will speak to what we value and that will hopefully build this culture over time. And so, um, you know, a few of the things that I'll point to relate to that, um, but they're not the whole picture, right? And so, you know, I think about like some of my first days were spent clarifying those values, but then looking at some of our programming. So like volunteering, for example, we we decided, hey, we want to be able to pay employees to spend part of their work days volunteering with organizations that they care about during the work day because we want them to be free to spend their evenings and their weekends with family or doing whatever matters to them. Um, that's kind of on their own time, but we care about this. We care about um, not only their well-being, believing that, hey, we are well as we also care about the well-being of other people, but then that that benefits the people that they're serving too. Um, so programming kind of like that, but also trying to think about, you know, are there opportunities for us to build connection among our team, among different teams of our company? Um, Dairyland has always been really committed to giving generously to organizations um, that was super quiet for many years, like the majority of our history. You mentioned, you know, this is our 40th year for probably about 35 of those years we were giving, but very quietly. That's another thing we could go into. Um, but we just felt like this is so core to who we are. Business has such a potential for impact at multiple layers, right? For us, for our employees, for the community geographically around us, but then also our customers that are all around the world, people around the world that would never be able to be our customers. Um, and so, so we also build culture by connecting employees to this greater purpose. Um, and that the greater purpose is, is really like making a safer world through our products, but then also through this generosity and this engagement and goal with partners like International Justice Mission who are really committed to safety for the most vulnerable, those in poverty, those most likely to be um, exploited, most in the margins of society. Um, 
So I'm talking about a few specifics, right? Like giving, volunteering, um, we do a lot around development. I, I think that none of those things on their own are enough. And over time, I just realized like, those are really good things. We also have to get to the heart of what is the culture of our work? Um, and that's maybe even just to be really transparent, like that's kind of my, feels like the next frontier in a lot of ways of mm. my work, which is that all is really good. Um, but what happens when we are on the brink of burnout, when we have these kind of like systemic pervasive issues of our work um, and how do our values show up there or what kind of like negative cultural elements do we need to address? And so trying to answer your question, I mean, culture, <laughs> you could you could attack all these things individually and spend years and years and years. I think it's trying to zoom out and look at this big picture um, where we're asking, what is the experience for the employee? Um, how is the organization functioning, not just for itself, but for all of the people that are part of this kind of ecosystem? I'll leave pause there to say, hey, does that... <laughs> Is that making any sense or, or where do you want to kind of zoom in more to? No, that, that makes a lot of sense. That that's really good. I think like, I mean, I, I have, I have limited experience. I'm sure, you know, the, the people that listen have their own experiences too, but the, the people that I'm close to, the people that I know, um, like in real life, their, their jobs are just jobs. It's like they, they punch a clock in and out. Most of the day is fraught with like frustration or, you know, you got your boss breathing down your neck or, customers that have, uh, you know, un unrealistic or crazy expectations. And um, that, that, that can, I mean, that leads to, to burnout, that leads to, to, to frustration, being unhappy. And so like, from, from my perspective, as somebody, like you said, who, who works in, in, in Dairyland, in an organization that, that cares for people that cares for employees and customers, like, it's been really great. Like it's a, I mean, I remember starting there being like, this is like a breath of fresh air to be able to, to recognize that. Yeah. Like the people that I work with and for like actually care about me. I'm not just another uh, body taking up a seat. Um, and I could, I could see why and how building a culture does take time. Um, especially when you, when you consider like the people that work for you also sort of have their own, um, you know, beliefs and understandings and in a way, even like maybe even contribute to the culture and, you know, more or less good or bad ways. And so like navigating, like, yeah, this is like what we've said, but like, how does it function in the day to day? That that's where I think the rubber starts to hit the road where it can get more messy. I, I think of like the team that I'm on, for example, the customer service team, we several months ago, um, we created like, I don't know why we called it a charter that makes it sound like a lot fancier than it was, but what? we, we wanted to have, I don't know if you've ever even seen it. Maybe you have yeah, but we, the scroll, the scroll on our wall. We have just like a, you know, these, these, these principles that sort of help guide at least our department. So, you know, we have like the dairy land principles that we, that we, you know, you know, believe in and try to uphold, but then there's also like on our team, how do we want to choose to, behave with customers with one another with others in the company even um and i've found that to be like just sort of incredible too like the fact that we took time from from like our daily work the things that we were doing to think about like what we're doing and why and how we can improve like i don't i don't 
I don't know, like maybe other organizations do this and I just don't have visibility, but like the fact that we took time to, to even do something like that, as small as that was, like that's, a, I think, a really cool, perhaps just insight into the things that you guys do care about. You do care about the development of of the employees. And and this is part of that. Like, you know, how, what do we think about things like accountability? What do we think about um, like speaking clearly is, is kind, like to, to, to get to the point, not to, you know, skirt around it. Um, I wish I had all, there's like eight or nine principles that we said, like were important to our team. Um, you know, assume good intentions. Like it, it's just these, like these, I think natural human things that we want, like in our relationships with one another, we want to have accountability. We want to be able to be honest. We want to be able to be gentle and sincere. Um, but again, like I said, I think in business that can sort of get lost in just the the busyness of business. So um, I guess like a, a related question to this is like, have you found it difficult um, to, to not to get, not like you're trying to like capture them, but like, have you found it difficult for employees to like, quote, buy in to the, the, the ideas or the ideals or the mission, vision and values? Or have you found that a lot of people like, maybe on a general level, hold similar beliefs. And now there's just like words to what I feel like business should be. Does that make sense? Like, is the buy-in real? Is it hard? Is it kind of all over the place? Okay, this is a great question. And I would say both yes and no. Okay. So yes, in the sense that I think that we, I think that we long for work that is meaningful and we long for purpose to drive our days we long for connection to belong to something that is bigger than us as individuals we want to be part of a team we want I, th I think we yearn for health and connection and all of these things and I think it's complicated and it's hard like to do the health I mean I don't know if you have ever tried to make a significant like life and health change it's not as easy as just I've decided to do this thing, therefore I will, right? <laughs> like I, <laughs> I spend far too much money on on therapy, right? To uh, to know that that's that's not what happens. Um, so it gets complicated when we start to actually do it. So I, I think it is, yes, and it's hard, mm. right? It's hard to reframe our natural tendencies and our wiring to say, well, suddenly I'm going to say something clearly because that's what's kind, or I'm going to resist my own reactivity in order to honor you or to listen a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, there have been plenty of, of um, responses that we've gotten some, like in our engagement survey, you know, people just saying like, it is so special to be part of an organization that really cares about people both in our walls and beyond it. Um, that are reached by folks like our humanitarian partners that would just never, you know, we would never have contact with outside of this specific connection. That's really meaningful to me. Um, people who say, I've never felt invested in like I do at Dairyland. You know, and other others who wrestle with, hey, you say people have inherent value. I don't feel it in this moment or I don't feel it in that decision or um even wrestling with we, we've had we have people of faith of non-faith um 
you know, also in our kind of live engaged initiative, people have asked things like, hey, aren't we supposed to have our good works and our good deeds be quiet, unknown, right? Like the Bible says, do not let your your one hand know what your other hand is doing. And and that's interesting too, right? And so to have have um really valid, valid, interesting questions come up. Um in some ways it feels like you never win, but mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you should stop, right? I think it's I think it's a really interesting set of challenges and I think really good work we haven't figured it out right like we so many of those cause us some of those questions cause us to refine our thinking and realize oh what we intended doesn't land the way that we intended and how do we keep tweaking this and trying to figure this out um because we're not the church we're not perfect christians and we have a really interesting mix of voices with of people with different experiences different faith backgrounds non-faith backgrounds um Yeah, that's what comes to mind uh, yeah. initially. Yeah, and maybe you've already touched on on some of this in in what you've just said, um, but I'm curious, maybe beyond this, um, you know, this idea of culture, are there other challenges that that you guys have faced or maybe anticipate facing as business owners, um, you know, of a non faith based organization? Like I, I have to imagine that there are challenges, especially when, when you consider that there are people that are, are of other faiths or non-faiths or, um, you know, wherever they land on that spectrum. Like what are, what are some of the challenges that, that a, a company like Dairyland would face in the marketplace? I mean, I can imagine, I, I have ideas, but I'm curious if you've like firsthand experienced them. Sure. Um, well, one thing that in some ways helps us is that we're a private company so that mm-hmm. I would say that offers us more freedoms than if we were a public corporation. Um, that doesn't mean the challenges go away. Right. Um, you know, I think man, all kinds of questions, right? Like how are we going to spend our, our money as is one question, right? Like you could say, hey, our our president gets to take all the profits home. And yet he is saying, hey, I, I want to invest in things that a traditional company wouldn't. But where's the line to that, right? Like we want to be super generous with employees. We want to be generous in the kinds of benefits that we offer, or the things that we would make time for. Um but is there a is there a boundary to that? Um, you know, it's it's interesting too living in a a moment where politics and faith in the U.S. have really hung out together and it's gotten messy. And so, mm-hmm. even trying to figure out how does something that you say that has a, a religious or a spiritual or a faith twist then suggest other things politically that may or may not be true for that person and so how do you try to like disentangle those things even for your employees who might hear like oh our president is a christian does that mean that he thinks this this and this um that can feel complicated um because as you know right like 
we could have 15 people in the company who are Christians who have like all very different views of politics and how faith is lived out in their lives and just Ooh, the mess. Yeah, I mean, I guess there, oh. I guess even just even if the entire company was like Christians, I think you couldn't assume even that there was like uniformity on any given theological issue, political issue, cultural issue. Yeah, there's going to be it's just I think that how it is dealing with humans. It's it's complex. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I think one thing that's been really interesting to me even recently is like we got really explicit about this value of people have inherent value. And then going through some like really bumpy seasons as a company, we've made some changes. We have just weathered some storms internal, but even like reacting to things that are happening externally. And it, it forces us to ask like, what does that really mean? What does that really mean when you're making a hiring decision or an organizational structure decision or a financial decision and I just don't have all the answers to that. I don't, I don't think that it's always black or white and that is what gets really hard. Hmm. Yeah. Man, I have, I have so many like <laughs> related thoughts and questions even. Cause I, you know, at, when you, when you think about something like the idea of people having inherent value, um, that that is, I mean, that is like a really good thing. Like that, that's, I mean, I wish more people operated that way. Like if on the road, literally just like driving, if you just sort of like had a baseline assumption that like the people around me have inherent value, maybe some people wouldn't go 90 on the belt line, you know, where it's 55 um, or, you know, any other number of situations, like I, maybe there wouldn't be Facebook fights constantly, or there wouldn't be, um, you know, such heated tensions all the time, you know, whether it be on political issues, like if we just recognized, um, and this is something actually, interestingly, Logan, your your brother, um, who also works for Dairyland, him and I, we went to Culver's on Friday for lunch, we just, we've been trying to go every now and then. Nice. And we, we were talking about this idea of Sonder, um, this, this idea that has come up a couple times with him specifically. Um, but like, it, it if you if if you're listening and you don't know what that is, obviously you can look it up. But very briefly, it's just like this idea that um, the people that are around you. So if you're on the highway, if you're in Walmart, wherever you find yourself, the people around you have their own set of complex emotions, problems, feelings. Like everybody is in a sense going through something. And I think as as people, we we forget that reality. We, we, we often become so focused on us or like our very close circle of like, you know, my, you know, family is sick or we're struggling with this thing financially. And we forget about the, the just vast array of other things that th- your neighbor across the hall, um, the guy that you pass on your way into the office, whatever, like the most frustrating customer that you ever have to deal with, like even that guy is going through something like real to him. Um, and so that idea of recognizing like, yes, these people on the other side of the screen, on the other side of um, the TV, on the other side of whatever they have, they have inherent value. Um, and so how do we, how do we recognize and like interact with that? I think at least for me personally, that's been a very like, you know, something I've thought deeply about. And, you know, first of all, I can't believe I neglected to even say this in the introduction. I'll say it now. 
we've been a podcast for three years, which is pretty incredible. Um, just yesterday, the the 25th um, was our three year anniversary of our first episode coming out. And when I think of like my own life, my own theological growth, my own uh, personal growth, my own um, workplace growth, like I am not the same person that I was three years ago. And I think most people would say the same thing. Like I'm not the same person that I was one, two, three, 20 years ago. Um, and so like when you're a, a business and when you have employees and people that like have all these things, this idea of Sonder, everybody in your business has, um, you know, they're, they're worried about money. They're worried about health. They're worried about whatever. <laughs> I can imagine it's very overwhelming to like have that weight almost to have that responsibility to, to steward that well. Um, and I know like personally, like that's something that I've been like trying to remind myself is like, you know, that maybe that idea of clear as kind, that idea of like assume good intentions, like when days are hard, when tough decisions are uh, made or need to be approached, like we can, we can do so wisely. We can do so well. And I think now I've, now I'm rambling. So I promise I'll bring it back to my point here, but, um, you know, I, in, in a, in the customer service department, our, our mindset is, is just that, like, how do we do customer service? Well, how do we serve like literally our actual customers and each other, um, exceptionally. And that even in some ways has started to become like the culture of our team. And I know we want to see that more as like the culture of the organization too. Um, but customer service is not just like a department, but it is a, I think a, an overall mindset of this, like this idea that like, okay, this person has inherent value, which means I'm going to treat them this sort of way. I'm going to think about th them in this sort of capacity. Um, yeah. And I think that, that like, just the fact that you guys are are trying to do that, I think is what is like what I'm getting at the fact that like, even if you say that you don't do it well, I think that you do, but I know that like, there are probably days where it's harder than other days. Um, like the fact that you think about these things and are trying to, um, to navigate these complexities, I think is, is, is commendable. Um, and so like my next question for you, uh, when when I personally think about the business world, when I think about uh, you know major organizations, I mean, I'm probably thinking more about like you know public companies that are traded or whatever. Um, but it's often all about the money, right? It's all about like we're going to spend as little as possible to maximize our profits. Uh, my wife and I are watching the show Mad Men, for example, which is you know from about the 1960s. Um, Madison Avenue advertising departments and just the the way that they think the things that they do what it's all about at the at the end of the day it's all about the money um what does it look like for a company for an organization to sort of like cut against the grain to to obviously money's important so you need to keep the lights on you need to keep your employees like paid and fed and and all of that but what does it look like to to I'm guessing not be always or primarily concerned about profits like is that something that you can you can speak to is that like a you know something you guys talk about or think about is that a conscious decision has that just become like a like an assumed reality like we're not primarily concerned about money i'm, I'm just kind of curious because i know that that can become like a, a big thing it's like we'll cut corners because it means that we'll make more money or we'll 
do this offhanded or shady thing because it'll bring in profits down the road. Like, I know that's not how Dairyland wants to do business. So like, what does that, what does that look like? No, we just care about money. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I should have paused longer. Um, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think it is really intentional. I mean, I, I don't always share this in employee onboarding. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things about our founder, Henry, was that he was not looking to start a company. And so it kind of fell on his lap. Someone reached out and said, hey, I have this electrical question as it relates to dairy farms. Do you have this idea or any idea of how to solve this problem? And he was a tinker and couldn't help himself and had to had to dig into a, a solution to this problem, right? And that led to this company. But I think that we've always felt like we have never tried to make this happen. It is in many ways a gift, not just for our own well-being, but for others, employees who join our company, their families, the communities, hopefully that we're part of um, the organizations that we're able to give to. And so I think it is very much a conscious decision that we will not just look at what are the profits of the company, but how can we set up employees for retirement, um, you know, such that like they wouldn't have to even personally invest in their retirement account, but the company could provide that. Um, hey, let's make time for them to spend their days volunteering because we think that matters for the person and for the person served. Um, you know, let's let's spend time connecting as a team. A lot of those things don't directly contribute to the financial profit of the company. And yet in some ways they also do. This is what makes it really complicated, right? Like a, a company where people feel valued, where they feel connected, where they feel purpose in their work, where they feel like there's opportunity to grow and advance, um, they are going to be happier, healthier, better employees, which is more likely to make the organization flourish. But that isn't like why we do those things, if that makes sense, right? Like yeah. we just think it's really important that we acknowledge that we are whole people with lives inside of work, outside of work, with needs that are not just about our professional growth, but we have physical needs, we have emotional needs, we have relational needs. Um, you know, and I think that's that's a part of even like my role. I'm over like culture and formation. Um, one thing that's really been interesting is that I've heard some feedback about like, why would the company promote formation? Does that mean I'm like unformed? And I, and, and I, I just realized how even like I've been saturated in this belief that we are always being formed. It is like important to be formed. We're never not being formed by something, right? And so I I sincerely hope that Dairyland is forming us to be people who are more attentive to ourselves and our own needs and our own well-being, but also are attentive to the needs of our team to the people around us, whether those are spouses or kids or friends or neighbors, um, folks who have just hit really hard times in our communities or um, people who are on the margins of our world. And so um, 
you know, we're trying to think of those things. And then it, it's hard, right? Because we do also need to sell products. We do also need to be able to pay our bills and our vendors and all of those things. And so it's just this huge ampersand. And in some ways, I think it would be easy to say, we're just going to make profits. We're just going to sell our products and it's going to be transactional. And I think it's messier, but I'm really intrigued by how do we try to wade into this gray of talking about, about these themes and engaging employees and trying to do something different. It feels risky because we could, if we're explicit about those desires and we're explicit about those values, we could mess up really badly and everyone would be able to call us on it. Um, but I think about Brene Brown, whose book is sitting, you know, right outside the screen here. And um, she points us to Roosevelt, who talks about this idea of just daring greatly. Like, it's not, it's not the critics on the periphery who counts. It's the folks who are kind of standing in the arena, uh, the arena a bit bloodied and, and dirty, right, from trying. Yeah. Well, I know we've we've been going here for maybe about 40, 45 minutes. And so I I, I want to respect your time. I also I, I recognize like we could talk about this probably all day. So um perhaps we'll we'll close with a couple other questions here. Um I'm curious if you have any encouragements that you'd want to share with a believer who finds himself working for an organization that perhaps doesn't have or doesn't hold to their values. You know, I think of you know, some guy somewhere, some female somewhere who's just working a, a nine to five, they don't feel invested in, they don't feel like their business is, is making a difference. Like, are there encouragements in, in that sort of season? Like, it, I don't know. I, I, I have thoughts, but I'm, I'm curious perhaps if you have any to share. Yeah. I mean, of course I'd love to hear yours too. This is what feels <laughs> awkward, right? Is that I'm the one talking and I, I like it to be more conversational, but um, you know, like I said, Dairyland doesn't have it all figured out. I also realize that not every organization is wrestling with these themes or trying to be the kind of company that uses business for good. But I just think like we talk a lot about this idea of leadership and that leadership is not power from a position. Leadership is influence and you have influence regardless of your position, regardless of your title or role. And um, there is so much potential to use your voice, to use your life, what you choose to say and not say, do and not do in ways that contribute to the common good, that honor your coworker, your organization, the people around you. I just don't think that that is insignificant. And so whatever organization you find yourself, whatever role, um, I just would want to kind of <laughs> pump into you. It matters what you do matters, but the way that you do it matters even more. And so um, we'll find ourselves in all kinds of situations and um, we are not disqualified just because we're in an organization that isn't explicitly promoting Jesus and, you know, trying to to live a certain way, right? In some ways, we may be more effective in an organization like that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's similar sort of thought process to what I was thinking myself. I I know, like I've when I've found myself in those situations, I my my sort of mindset was like, well, I'm here, 
for like a purpose. If I, if I believe that God is sovereign, if there's a, um, you know, if you just want to call it a plan, generally speaking, but like you are in your school, you are in your place of business, you are in the family that you find yourself in, like not on accident, but, but very much on purpose. And so how you, how you navigate that says a lot. And I think that, yeah, as Christians, ways in which we can be faithful, like in the smallest of things, like you can, you can find yourself to be, to be faithful, to be a, a, you know, I think of like, for example, some of those parables of, um, of, is it like talents? Like this workers are given these talents and, you know, some of them go out and invest it. uh, Someone else buries it in the ground. And like, when the boss comes back, like, the one who just went and buried it was like, well, you just all I'm getting back is what I gave you. Like, there's not even any interest on this type of thing. Um, I think in some ways that that parable can apply, like where you find yourself, like how you choose to invest your, your, your energy and your, your, your thoughts, your interactions with other people. Like on the one hand, it says a lot about like who you are and what you believe. And when I think about the ways like that I've behaved in certain situations and the questions that I would get, you know, I mentioned that valet job, like when I would, when I would find myself at some of those accounts that like I was working with dudes I hadn't worked with before, or people that I knew did some of the shady stuff. Like when I would bring up the the idea, like, Hey, we're going to do this clean tonight. Like it's met with questions, right? Like, why do you want to do that? Like, why would you not want to like maximize the amount of money you can make tonight? Um, and so then, yeah, you, you get opportunity to share like your beliefs, your convictions, uh, what, what guides your, you know, everyday interactions. Um, I also think it's at this point, it's probably just like an old adage on the podcast, but, but Lucas and I mention often the, the idea of, um, first Corinthians 10 31, I think is the, the citation, but like whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, like that that seems like a pretty good like you can have that as a bumper sticker almost but that that for me at, at many times has been like yeah whether what whatever i find myself doing whatever interaction um whatever person is on the other side of the the thing i'm doing like that that can guide and govern what you do like i can i can interact with my siblings with customers with my neighbors in a such a way that like it is honoring to god and i think that that's obviously easier said than done a lot of days it's easier to have that as like a an ideal uh, but in actuality perhaps it's um perhaps it's difficult but i don't know my final question for you um similar but perhaps not on the individual level um but organizationally what perhaps other wisdom can you share what what other you know, maybe it's to a business, maybe it is to a person, but like, are there any other ideas? Are there any other like guiding principles that you have? Like, as you think about this, this intersection, this, this cross between work and business, like how, maybe how we can navigate it well, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, that's a really big question. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, You know, I think something that's been big for me even recently is that I could, I can feel this like immense sense of responsibility, right? Like, I am a Christian. I'm in an organization. There are people that are influenced by the the decisions that I make. And sometimes that can feel really crippling that like one wrong move can ruin a bunch of people's days or lives. And that feels really scary. And so I think both holding that 
that opportunity of stewardship and also partnering with God to remember that like, ultimately, if I am surrendered to him and to his purposes, he will be working and I can, I can even rest in my own weaknesses. I can accept that I may say something I regret, even well-intentioned. I may do something that later on I would say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. And God can still work and he can still move. Um, He's in the things that I'm aware of and the things I'm totally unaware of, right? Like, as you said earlier, people have lives outside of what we see at work. um, And he's working there too. And so both this intentionality in what we can control and the surrender for the things that we can't control Hmm. um, and, and really trying to hold both, right? Like keep growing at the things I can grow in, be humble, be open to hearing where I miss the mark, um, try to be excellent in what I have responsibility over and realize there are plenty of things that I will never be able to control. And if I spend my days anxiously avoiding sleep and ruminating like I also won't be well and um I don't I don't think that that's God's plan either that we just live completely exhausted anxious lives yeah man if you ever just want to feel really really small I think about the fact that like God like knows all things sees all things in some ways has like like obviously knowledge of the future that we don't have like he's literally governing planets and universes and solar systems like outside of our visibility and like does so. And I'm sure doesn't even like, doesn't even, not that he sleeps or anything, but it's not like he loses sleep. He doesn't get frustrated. Like that is like, in, in like the best way possible, like a humbling thought. And then maybe that's the best way to even wrap this up is like, yeah, God is in control all we can do is like do our best to to honor him to steward what we have to do that well um to glorify him in all the things that we do um yeah i can't think of a a, a more appropriate way to to end um as has become tradition when we interview people um lucas and i started this on a whim once but now it's become the thing we do uh, Lucas and I both love books. Often we read theology books. I, I know he has a lot of books that he's reading for school. M- most of my books are, are read for, for fun and for pleasure. I'm curious, my, my last question, and it should be the easiest question of the day is what are you reading? What's a book that you're currently in the middle of, or maybe one that's like on your shelf that you want to read, um, that you want to share? Um, uh, okay. So I am in the, I haven't been in like a super nerdy season for a while, but I am deep in the nerdery of internal family systems. So I am trying to get through Edwin Friedman's A Failure of Nerve. Um, Super interesting on the concept of differentiation. He was a rabbi, therapist. um, And so I would say that, but then also a lot of books peripheral to that like Steve Cuss um, wrote this book called Managing Leadership Anxiety Yours and Theirs so super interested in how um, you know systems theory talks about the movement of anxiety chronic anxiety through people in a system so a family an organization but then also like what does that look like from a faith perspective so that's what I'm reading right now super 
super fun for me. I don't know that anyone else would find that fun, but I do. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Kaylee, I just want to say thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I think even really thought provoking um, and perhaps even some of which like gives me a better idea into what we do and why at work. So I just want to say thank you for for coming on the show, um, for sharing so graciously, like some of the behind the scenes things like it's a I, I'm, I know that what you do is no small thing. And so I I appreciate what you do from a perspective of like, you are one of my coworkers, but um, even just from like a even if I didn't work at Dairyland, but hearing about like the work that we do and how that like how we can literally change not just our 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 circles around us, but like our communities and the world. Like I think that's super, super unique, super cool. And and I'm I'm honestly like super happy to be working with you guys in that effort. So um do you have any final any final thoughts, anything that you want to share? Otherwise we can we can wrap it up. Just thanks. And I I so appreciate your voice at Dairyland. I mean, I think time and time again, whether that's in like our monthly book club where we're talking about development, we're talking about how we're growing. Um, you know, I, I think it's really special to be working alongside some who are super like-minded, some who just, you know, may not be, but I've, I've really specifically appreciated your voice in this conversation. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for even prompting me to be stepping back and thinking about these things and for all the work that you and Lucas do yeah, and through this podcast, it's really special. Yeah. Well, thank you. And we'll, we'll, we'll close by saying thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology podcast. If you want to connect with us, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology podcast. You're also welcome to send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, questions, episode ideas. Uh, really, we just love to hear from you. And until next time, we hope that you guys are all doing well and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.